welcome back to another edition, a regular season-ending edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson. I am coming uh, to you from the still champagne-soaked studios in uh, in the Bay Area, and uh, my co-host for uh, for this show is uh, up in the non-champagne-soaked studio up in Seattle, Washington. Welcome. Mark A. Johnston, how you doing? You know, it's nice. It's nice here, and um, the the weather is getting more tolerable and more Pacific Northwest ish. Um, but you're right; we have no champagne. There's no joy in Mudville. <laughs> I was I was watching the. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Sunday, the final day of the regular season. I was watching. I was just kind of half watching the A's Mariners game because it it didn't mean anything and. Just a bunch of scrubs were playing, but uh, I I did hear that the visiting uh, clubhouse manager had talked to the A's, and the A's has celebrated pit clinching postseason two years in a row now there in Seattle and celebrated in the clubhouses. And the visiting clubhouse guy made mention to the A's uh, group that uh, they, he wasn't worried about it next year because the A's final visit to Seattle is at the beginning of September. So there will be no clinching in Seattle next year for the A's. They'd have to clinch real early. Yeah, they'd have to really. Maybe 140 <laughs> wins, you know. <laughs> and with the Astros in the L West, I, I seriously doubt right. that's going to happen. Well, maybe they'll but. both win 140 games. That would mean that, that, that Texas uh, has to go 0-162, though. Yeah, well. Uh, it's gonna. I I would say of teams in the AL West that are capable of doing that, they're probably second. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to discuss first. Yeah. Uh. So, Mark, we like to at the beginning of each show. I like to give you an option, and I'm not gonna lie. I had a really good one today, but before I could write it down, I forgot what it was. So, <sighs> watching the A's game and and seeing. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Daniel Vogelback at the plate and remembering that he was an all-star this year I decided well we could either do the usual and talk about baseball history or we could kill the next hour by just reviewing every single Daniel Vogelback at bat of the season man um that's a it's, it's it could be easy because it's just a lot of strikeouts a lot of strikeouts um he takes a lot of pitches too so I don't think we've, we're going to be able to fit it in at uh, no. a 24-hour period. So let's just, maybe we should talk about baseball. What do you we'll say? say? We'll save that for next time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I If Daniel Vogelback was on my team, I'd probably really like him. But can he can he turn his neck? Like, can he turn his head? Um, I don't think that that's important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what matters is how he swings the bat. I don't know. Uh, it, it, he, he had a pretty rough second half. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, the thing about that guy is he's got a really good eye, and uh, he just, you know, it, it's a matter of, of is he going to be able to adjust next season, stuff like that. He was fun to watch for a while. He's a good clubhouse guy, too. Everybody apparently loves him. So That's what I hear. Yeah, I hear the same thing. And, and he looks, he kind of looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. So I, I enjoy I enjoy Daniel Vogelbach as long as he's not hitting bombs against the A's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like him when he is hitting bombs against the A's or anyone else, to be perfectly honest. But. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, he was he was our all star, and uh, you never know. You never know. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start the show off. We we've got to visit the Kangaroo Court. It's never oh, a boy. good start when we got to start with the Kangaroo <sighs> Court, but we got to take care go. of some business. 
Yeah. Uh, first off, I was talking last week about the first batters that uh, that Nolan Ryan faced in his career during our Nolan Ryan spectacular show. Yes. And I said, because it was against the Atlanta Braves, and I said Eddie Collins. So <laughs> Eddie Collins, of course, is a Hall of Famer. He played for the Philadelphia Athletics in the early 1900s. So oh. while Nolan Ryan's career did begin, you know, a good time ago, not quite that far, I meant to say Eddie Matthews. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Eddie Collins uh, probably would have been overmatched at that point. Yeah, I don't think I don't think many people in the early 1900s were seeing 99. Right, I, and I don't plus think he's that, dead, and that would have been hard to swing oh, that. Yeah, I, he, I, I'm guessing he was probably dead at that point. Yeah, that's another strike against him. Yeah. And because you pointed that out, I'm going to go ahead and fine you for this. Just off the top of my head, I'm going to say $27. Okay. So I will add that to your tab here. Check out to uh no Jeff cash Paulson. only. Cash and oh. and unlike our injuries episode, I prefer not to be paid in nickels and dimes. I don't want to sprain my ankle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well I'll take those back to the bank then. It was gonna be tough to mail those anyway. Yeah, maybe just head head to Coinstar and get me a, a gift card or something instead. I I wanted to hit this one is not so much a kangaroo court. This one's not a finable offense. Oh, but good. if you're not careful, you might. I might have to live you. Uh, when we were talking about injuries a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I said, you know, it seems these weird injuries only happen to baseball players. I don't see this in other sports. And I was reminded literally the next day about Jean-Pierre Paul, who was at that point for, uh, played for the uh, New York football giants in the NFL. He lost a couple of fingers setting off fireworks. <laughs> Wow. And that was a big thing because he was a like he was a all pro, like he was really good and then he lost most of a season and half of a hand and hasn't been nearly anything since. So there is one. Not it's not just baseball players that are that dumb. So No, no, it's not a matter of well, it may be a matter of being dumb, but it, it I think there I think stupidity permeates every aspect of life. You know, they're stupid baseball players and smart baseball players. They're stupid basketball players, smart basketball players. I, I just don't think anybody's immune to stupidity. There's stupid geniuses somewhere. Yeah, well. absolutely. Right. Every walk of life has stupid people, unfortunately. Let's talk. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention. I mentioned, I think it was last week. It might have been during Wax Packs Heroes. My, or maybe it was debuts, I think it was. My kind of lasting image of Pedro Martinez and for me, that was him being taped to a pole in the in the dugout at Fenway. Yes. Well, I, I first of all, I wasn't making that up. I was a little worried that I was mis misremembering. I think is how Roger Clemens put it. Uh, there is actually a bobblehead that was made of him taped to the pole in the dugout. Oh, that's funny. So made me feel better. I'll throw I'll throw a picture of that up on social media. Uh, if you want to go and purchase one on eBay, I'm sure you can find one there. I also wanted to just talk about kind of the end of the season. So like I mentioned, this is our, we're recording this on the final day of the regular season. So I saw a couple of things pop up, just some quick notes on some weird things that happened this season. First of all, the Astros did not intentionally walk a single batter this year. Wow. That's, That's crazy. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you've got 
uh, Verlander and Garrett Cole, and then for the you know last third of the season, Zach Greinke, right. and yeah. you've got their firepower on offense. It's like why why are you ever worried? <laughs> yeah, just throw the ball. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, that's that's amazing though. Not not a single intentional walk. Yeah, weird. How about this? Uh, when was the last time you saw a pitch out? Um. Yeah, it's been a bit. I think now that I think about it, I haven't seen a lot lately. Yeah, I cannot remember a single pitch out this entire. It doesn't mean there wasn't one, but it doesn't even mean there wasn't one in a game I was watching. But I do not remember seeing a pitch out. Hmm. I mean, I there's not many. You know, stolen bases is not a big part of the game anymore. But I, I just I don't remember the last time I saw somebody guessing that somebody was going to be going and pitch out. I. I Seen plenty of people get picked off or caught stealing with a, you know, one, three, four, or one, three, six, you know, caught stealing. Sure. But yeah, I just don't remember any pitch outs this year. May not be as big of a part of the game as we're used to. Oh. Not anymore. Hey, just so you know, the Pedro Martinez taped bobblehead yeah. goes anywhere from 15 to 30 bucks on eBay. Very affordable Christmas gift if you're a Pedro right. Martinez fan. Or if you're a fan of tape. Yeah. Yeah. Or just bobbleheads. I also saw a a first, at, at least I think it was a first, the first coach thrown out of a game for arguing automated balls and strikes. Really? Yeah. And g- wait till you hear the name of who it was. It was Frank Sweet Chin Music Viola. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Frank Viola. He was a he is the pitching coach for the High Point Rockers of the Atlantic League. They're I think I heard you say they were your favorite Atlantic League team, isn't that right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Who was it again? <laughs> the High Point Rockers. Yes. The High, that's the High Point yeah. John Rockers? I hope not. Oh, I hope not. No. You never notice that John Rocker looked like Scooby Doo. I mean, just facially, he looked like Scooby Doo. Well, because yeah, he had those little little stubby ears, and he had mm. kind of like a very long face, and yeah, uh, yeah, I I saw way too much of John Rocker. Yeah, uh, any any John Rocker is too much to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so I was reading the comments uh, before and after this ejection from Viola, and first of all, Frank Viola is just a grumpy old man. He's <laughs> He's he's one of those guys, you know, everything was better when I played and you know these kids today just Oh yes. It, John's he's John Smoltz, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys all became curmudgeons. They really did. But I just how do you get how do you complain about a automated ball or strike? Like there is a defined strike zone. This computer doesn't know who it is, doesn't care. It's just a yes or a no. So how do you actually argue this? Uh, maybe he needs. To, he wanted to review the code. I don't know. I... <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, was this written in C sharp? Because I'm I'm very <laughs> familiar with that, and I I I I believe that there this was compiled wrong. There's something wrong here. I need to look at it. Yeah, it, and I then think the ump's he, like, "You're gone." Yeah, exactly. I think I think he knows Visual Basic, not C sharp. <laughs> well, Frank Viola, good good yeah. luck to you, sir. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to talk about is something that actually happened this last week, and I'm sure you saw about it. I got in quite a long discussion on Twitter, which was my mistake for doing so. The Rangers were hosting the Red Sox. Mike Miner was on the mound for the uh, for the Rangers. 
and he had a uh, something in his contract. If he gets 200 strikeouts, he gets a bonus. So somebody who I don't know who was up for the Red Sox, but uh, he had 199 strikeouts. Somebody from the Red Sox goes up and they pop a, a you know pop up a pitch foul right there by home plate. Miners there, the first baseman, I don't know if it was Mazzara or who, who it was, is right there. The catcher is right there. And Mike Miner yells for them to let it drop. And they <laughs> let it drop. I saw that, yes. This so that he had a chance to then go back and try and strike out the batter, which he did to get he his did. 200 strikeouts. Yes. Now, I am. this is the most Bush League thing I've seen in several years to me. What do you think? I mean, are you okay with it? The game meant nothing, obviously. Two teams no, I, out of the race. I, I didn't. I didn't like it either. Uh, you know, I mean, it didn't like. I guess I understand that some people were like, "It's making a mockery of the game," and I get what they're saying like that. And so I, I saw that, and I was like, "Come on, it's not about individual effort, or at least it's not supposed to be." I got to give him credit. He get, you know, he's got another opportunity, and he struck the guy out. You know, it's not going to say that in the record books. It's just going to say two hundred Ks. Yeah, and and one of the arguments of people defending him was that earlier in the game, like maybe the inning or two before, it was a three-pitch inning. The Red Sox were up there just hacking. Yeah. And, okay, you and I work in baseball. It was a getaway day. It's the end of the season. They're just trying to get out of there. <laughs> this yeah. game doesn't mean anything. That's now, right. I don't know that I believe that the Red Sox were like, hey, this guy's got a clause in his contract. If he gets 200 Ks, he gets a bonus. Let's not let him do that. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I highly doubt that was the case. I think they were just up there, you know, hey, this is our last road game. Let's go up there. Let's get out of here and be done with this season. That would be very typical, yeah. Yeah, so I am just, I, am, I, I met with some resistance on Twitter, though, and I, I just have to assume that those people are probably Ranger fans. Yeah, I'll I tell you what, I... I I would have to give it a thumbs down. Yeah. I, but, I wish, uh, I wish, and I would never, never can't believe this is escaping my lips. I wish the guy from the Red Sox would hit a home run. That, that would, you know what? That would have been a nice little lesson, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> you're giving up, you know, if you're up there swinging at the first pitch, you're doing what you're supposed to do. when you play baseball, you swing at a ball and try to get on base. Right. Uh, if you drop a ball right in where there were three guys that could have easily made this, you know, it was a can of corn right there. That is not in the spirit of the game. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I, I know you've been waiting for this final thing. Uh, I've got a hat update. Oh, good. So uh, I, I have quite a few A's hats that I like to, I try to wear a different hat to every game during each homestand. And this year I've kept a record of what happened at those games for each hat that I wore. So I know you've been waiting. For, I know everybody's Folks, been waiting for this. To our listeners, he's not joking. No, I, I have. I went through he my... hats have records. Yes. <laughs> I, I make note of it in my scorebook every game as to what hat I'm wearing. So I went back today <laughs> and I, I told it up. First of all, I attended 41 A's home games this year. Very nice. So that is exactly half of their home schedule I attended. That was which, a good season too. So uh, I was 1-0 and wearing my Tacoma Tigers hat. 
Nice. Which I that was low key because I don't think anybody knew what it was. Well, you know, it, and you wore that in my honor, of course. I, I appreciate did. it. Yes. I, I I wore that. I think on Father's Day, I wore that. Uh, next, I was two and zero wearing my All Star USA hat from the All Star game last year. It's got an A's logo on it, and it's got stars around it. It's not a game hat. It's blue. It's just it's kind of my my casual A's hat. I was two and zero with that. I was four and zero wearing my St. Patrick's Day hat, which is all wow. white with a green elephant on it, and I love that hat. I usually wear it dirt to uh, day games because it's because it's white, so I don't get as hot. Uh, after that, a uh, little bit different story with the rest of the hats. I was eight and six with their BP hat from this year, which is that dark green with a white elephant on front. It's my favorite hat. I was eight and six with that. It was uh, five and five with my Kelly Green A's hat. I was three and two with my All Star A's hat from last year. And I was two and three with my uh, BP hat from last year. Hmm. And that totals up to a record of 25 and 16 on the year. Nine games over. 500. Yeah. Not bad. I, I've got to decide what I'm going to wear on Wednesday to the All-Star. Yeah, this is the uh, wild card game. That was my next question. What are you going to wear Wednesday? What, yeah. Which hat is, are you, I mean, you know, they all want to be the gamer. Mm-hmm. Which hat are you going with? That St. Paddy's Day hat at 4-0 is good, and it's a 5 o'clock start. So it's not a day game, but it's not. It, it is considered a night game. But uh, I, I'm probably going to go with that A's uh, 2019 BP or the Kelly Green. One of those two. I'm, I'm going to go for a hat from this year, I believe. But there cool. it is. There you have it. All right, let's move on to our debut segment. First of all, I, I mentioned last week Jason Veritek made his debut uh, last week. Uh, I failed to mention, though, that Jason Veritek is the only person to have played in the Little League World Series, the National Championship of the College World Series, the MLB World Series, the Olympic Baseball Gold Medal Game, and the World Baseball Classic. He he played in all of those, and he also caught a record four no-hitters in his career. Wow. So That is solid. Yeah, he accomplished a lot. Not a Hall of Famer, but he accomplished a lot. Mm. So we do have a couple of debuts today. Um, this uh, show is dropping on Sept- uh, no, excuse me, October 1st, but we still have a couple of debuts, believe it or not. It First, or not. Uh, Lori Reese. Lori Reese was a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. He debuted this day in 1877. I remember that. He was 18 years old at the time, and what uh, what caught me here was that in 1877 that they were still playing in October, <laughs> like a regular season game in October. They only played 61 games the entire season. So <laughs> this means that like in July, somebody got together and said, hey, you want to start a baseball season? And they're like, yeah, like when do you want to do it? He's like right now. Because yeah, almost that's, like an afterthought. That's what it would, they would have had to start in July to end in the beginning of October. But congratulations to Lori Reese. Uh, 1978, Keith Moreland came up. Uh, he came up with the Phillies. Uh, I always think of him as a cubby, and he played for, for 12 years, most of that with Chicago. Yeah, I remember him as a as a cub, too, yeah. Yeah, he actually came up as a catcher. Yes. I did not. I had no idea. He switched to right field in his third year and later played some third, but he caught at least once every season he played except for his final year 
1989. Hmm. I didn't. I had no idea. Nor did I know he was nicknamed Zonk. 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 Ah, not familiar with that one. No. Uh, next, 1983, Don Carmen, who I always confuse with Eric Carmen, who sang All By Myself. Yeah, those two, I get them confused too. Yeah. Well, All By Myself, that was kind of my theme song on Friday nights during high school. Oh, I thought that was Eric Cartman. <laughs> I think he does a version of, yes. I think South Park does have a version. Uh, and then my final one is 1993, Carlos Delgado made his debut today for the Toronto Blue Jays. Ah. He, like Moreland, and I do remember this, actually came up as a catcher. In uh, 2003, he ended the year with a 1.019 OPS, finishing second in the MVP voting behind A-Rod. Wow. And then this was kind of interesting. He was traded in 2005 by the Marlins to the Mets. Included in that deal was Yusmero Petit, who is still pitching and pitching well for the Oakland A's. He is. In fact, I believe we've, uh, the Mariners faced him a couple days ago. Yeah, well, I faced him, faced him today even. He came in for, yeah. I think it was one batter, got him. But he, yeah. he, he was Mario Petit, appeared in 80 games this year for the A's. So just one shy wow. of half of the games the A's played, he appeared in. And wow. he was traded in 2005. So he's been around for quite a while. Yeah. All right, so that's going to wrap up our BP segment. Because it has been such a busy week for both of us, uh, wrapping up the season, getting ready for postseason, we are going to have a special show today. Give you a break after you had to do all that work for the uh, Nolan Ryan Spectacular last week. Yes. So we are going to uh, start in with everybody's favorite. We're going to do a Tales from the Dugout show today. So it's just a couple of stories, a little bit shorter than the uh, long ones that we usually do. And um, why don't uh, we're not going to flip a flip a coin or anything? I'm just going to say, why don't you go first this this week? Okay, well, uh, we, you you actually mentioned uh, the Olympics and baseball in the Olympics, uh, which uh, we, baseball used to be in the Olympics, and it was voted off of the Olympic program after the Beijing Olympics in '08. Well, folks, it's making a return. Exciting. Good. It is I'm, exciting. I'm glad. So yeah, softball. me too. Yes, yeah, softball is going to be back too. So we're back, uh, back in the uh, in the world, uh, the world's eye with our our wonderful sport of baseball. Uh, we had our first qualifier for the Olympic tournament, and that would be Israel. Israel won a joint European African tournament, and they're the first nation to qualify for the uh, return of baseball to the Olympic Games. So congratulations, Israel. I think it's uh, pretty fun. They they were uh, ranked uh, 19th in the world, and they still won that tournament. They beat uh, the Netherlands and host Italy. Both uh, of those countries are, are uh, starting to be good baseball countries, too. So well, The Netherlands are always good because they have yes. Curaçao is part of yes. the Grand Empire, and that's where I'm pretty sure that's where Andrew Jones was Andrew Jones, Curaçao. Hensley Mullins, I believe. Bam Bam, that's right, yeah. Yeah. I didn't Bam Bam is the I believe during the last World Baseball Classic he was the manager of Curacao. I believe so, yeah, yeah. So I just thought that was really cool, and and uh, you know Israel, um, it, it's not baseball is not a big sport there yet, but uh, maybe uh, people start paying a little more attention to it now that they've got a team in the in the uh, Olympics. Do you, uh, do they still have their uh, their mascot on the 
in the dugout there? Do you know who that is? I, I do not. They uh, last, during the last World Baseball Classic, they had a stuffed, uh, kind of like a, a, not a doll, but a stuffed figure. And it was the Mench on the Bench. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's a good comedy. I'm going to guess it's probably still there, but I'm, I'm excited for that. Remember, was it the, uh, it was the 86 Olympic team. That was the team that had Mark McGuire, um, Rafael Palmero, wasn't it? Ben, mm-hmm. uh, God, who was it? We, we just talked about him the other day, the pitcher, Ben. Ben McDonald. Ben McDonald. Yep. Uh, some really big names were on those Olympic teams, so I'm glad that is coming back. And I'm glad it's not doing what hockey did and, you know, doing a professional dream team. I'm glad it's going to be yeah. amateurs and college kids and stuff like that. But I'm thinking that, you know, pretty soon instead of softball, it's going to probably be just regular baseball for women. I, think, I hope so. I think in the near future that'll probably happen since that's becoming more popular. That women's league in Japan is fascinating to me. There's starting to pop up quite a few, you know, women's hardball teams here in the United States. So hopefully in the near future, that'll, that'll just be baseball. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. So I've got kind of a related story. Um, I want to talk about Adam Greenberg. So that name might not be that familiar to most people. Adam Greenberg at one point did play for the Israeli team during the world baseball classic, uh, probably six, seven years ago. Uh, Adam Greenberg came up with the Chicago White Sox in two. Th- or, I'm sorry, Adam Greenberg came up with the Chicago Cubs in 2005 as an outfielder, and his career was very, very brief and unfortunate to say the least. Uh, he came up, and in the very first pitch that he ever saw when he dug into home plate, he got hit in the head, and he suffered a compound skull fracture from the pitch. And obviously couldn't play. Uh, he said, quote, just bending over to tie my shoe left me with a headache for hours. Uh, he had to sleep upright. The only way to tolerate the excruciating uh, headaches was to have a special bed that he'd be strapped into and he'd sleep standing up. He spent the rest of the 2005 season on the disabled list and continued to suffer from positional vertigo for many years. Mm. So his only MLB played appearance and and that was it didn't even count as an at bat just an appearance but he was not forgotten in 2012 a Chicago Cubs fan who remembered him started an online petition to get Greenberg another major league plate appearance the campaign uh, eventually became successful the Cubs were actually in contention so they couldn't really get on board with this but the Miami Marlins, who are perennial, perennial, that's a tough word to say at nine at night. Periwinkle? Exactly. Who are periwinkly, uh, <laughs> never in contention, offered Greenberg a one-day contract to play in their final game of the season on October 2nd against the New York Mets. So they signed him to a contract worth $2,623 for the day. I'm assuming that's the, the major league minimum per day. And uh, they, they actually, though, donated that to research on brain trauma in athletes. So Greenberg led off the bottom of the sixth inning as a pinch hitter. Uh, as he came to the plate, the uh, PA played Aerosmith's Dream On as the crowd <laughs> gave him a standing ovation. I guess that's better than playing Dizzy 
by Tommy Ooh. Rowe. Dizzy. I'm so dizzy, Ouch. Is but that, you're right. That is better. Is that that's a, that's a bad joke. That's, that's a bad joke. We didn't mean. say that. No. Although I'll probably put the music in there. Uh, so he he uh, struck out on three pitches from a knuckleballer and eventual Cy Young Award winner for that year, R.A. Dickey. He oh, was yeah. then removed. Uh, Greenberg said after the game that it was magical. The energy that was in the stadium was something I'd never experienced in my life, and I don't know that I'll ever experience that again. He said he also wanted to continue his major league career and hoped to be invited to a team. A, Hope to be invited to spring training, ideally the Marlins, since they were nice enough to uh, invite him and and give him this this contract. Before the game, when they asked R.A. Dickey how he would face him and how he would pitch him, he said like a major leaguer because that's what he is. There so go. there's a, a good good ending to a kind of a, a, a tragic story about the guy that only had one plate appearance. All right, so that's going to lead me into... I'm going to do just another quick story here along the same vein. So, of course, you know Robin Yount, the Hall of Fame second baseman, uh, center fielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, have you ever heard of his older brother, Larry? I can't say that I have. No? There's probably a good reason. Uh, So Larry Yount made his major league debut for the Astros in 1971. So he was brought in to start the ninth inning. But as he was on the mound, uh, you know, getting ready, warming up there, uh, on, you know, he'd already been brought in from the bullpen. He was going to start this half inning. Uh, as he was warming up, his elbows start to stiffen. And so he could not pitch. So they had to take him out before he threw a pitch. Well, he never made it back to the majors. Oh, so he is the only pitcher in Major League history to have appeared in a game since he was announced, but he never faced a single batter. Wow. So, uh, tough, tough luck for Larry Yount. The Yount family, I think, did did fine for themselves with their, uh, with uh, with Larry's brother Robin, but that's that's yes. a tough break. Or or as uh, Joe Morgan would call him, Robin Yunt. Yunt. <laughs> yeah, so it's always Robin Yunt. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sure Harry Carey probably messed up his... Uh, his name well at some point. <laughs> Highly possible. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's uh, those are two pretty sad stories about guys who were so incredibly close. Yeah, you know it, it's interesting that to talk about that uh, since we're talking about relief pitchers. You know, next year the the new rule kicks in, where you bring a pitcher in, he either has to finish an inning or pitch face three hitters. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's going to be interesting. It's gonna it, it's gonna. I was kind of having a discussion today with somebody about that, someone who didn't like it, and I, I'm actually rather a fan of it. I, I like to see guys, uh, you know, lefties lefties come in and they face one lefty and then they're pulled out of the game. Uh, you know, I think uh, that lefties that can get out lefties and righties are better pitchers, and I'd like to see the better pitchers be successful. I am definitely not a fan of this rule. I, 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 I don't like being telling people when you can and cannot remove a pitcher from the game. I am definitely not on board with this. Most people, I think, and generally I'm a purist, but um, I got to say, I am. I guess it's partly a bias that I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing four batters and four different pitchers and everyone has to come in and wind up and so on like that. You know, obviously this is this is a game, this is a something to encourage, uh, 
pace of play, increase the pace of play and slow down, or not slow down the game, but get the game to a shorter uh, time span. And is, you know, is pace of play a good enough reason to change fundamental rules in baseball? Mm, I don't know. Not for me. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not for me. Should be interesting. And that kind of leads me into what I uh, wanted to talk about here. And that is um, we, we had a show where we discussed all the rule changes in the Atlantic League. How the Atlantic League took on all these Major League Baseball possible rule changes and they were going to test them out for us. And we talked about uh, just even earlier in this broadcast, we talked about the uh, uh, robo umpires. And apparently you get thrown out of the game if you argue with those guys. It, they're not very patient. <laughs> they should um, shock you. They should send a shock or something. Or yeah, absolutely. Delete your, delete your internet history or something. They should. Right. The, the, with uh, the one rule that they wanted to do this year, and they postponed it, was adding two feet to the distance the mound is from home plate. And Major League Baseball really wants them to put this into effect starting next season. So 62 foot 6 inches instead of 60 foot 6 inches away, uh, the home plate is going to be from the pitcher's river. Um, it's, it, there's a couple different schools of thought. Of course, one is concern about injuries. You know, these guys have developed muscle memory over years and years, and they're used to throwing 60 feet, six inches. Is, the, is this two feet going to cause them to have to readjust to the point of where they're going to be putting their arms into different positions or different angles than what they're used to? Is it going to cause any sort of injuries? Kind of interesting. It's definitely going to, to slow down velocity. Yeah, well, that, that you 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 mentioned injuries, but yeah, it's going to slow down velocity. So these guys that are used to throwing ninety nine, yeah. they're going to be two feet further back, and they're going to still be trying to throw ninety nine. I can see a lot of guys suffering injuries just just throwing as hard as they possibly can to try and get that same velocity. Sure, uh, it it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And I think there are a lot of people in the Atlantic League that still want to fight it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, that one of the other schools of thought, though, on this is that your junk ballers, you guys that throw a lot of curveballs and off-speed pitches, are actually going to have an extra two feet to work with because uh, <laughs> the ball breaks late, you know, uh, most of the time with these pitches. And you might get a guy out there that's throwing just absolute off-speed junk, and, and that last couple feet, that ball's going to move a little bit more. So here's my question. If you're two feet further away from home plate, you're two feet closer to second base. Mm-hmm. So is there going to be an uptick in picking people off of second base because you're going to be able to get the ball there quicker? Well, that, that's a good that's a, actually a good point. And it's legit to look at that as well as your your pitcher is now two feet further back and has a much better More time to look, react. Yeah, much better look at runners on first base. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, too. I, I was know? thinking being two feet further back, they've got two feet more to react to a ball coming back to them. That's so they, they do. might be more of a fielder as well. Sure. and But, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, even just a couple feet, they're going to have a little bit better angle on runners that are on first base. So. And maybe, uh, I mean, this is a really interesting topic. Yeah. This is not something I had thought about until you started this segment. What does it do to somebody maybe wanting to steal home? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. now it's going to take longer for that pitcher to get the ball home. There are, there's a lot of different parts of the game 
that this would touch. I am yeah. again, I am not on board with this. Um, just like the just like the uh, the the relief pitcher rule, especially with what MLB has done to the ball. Why are we trying to punish the pitchers more? It doesn't make any sense. I I can just see this giving up more, you know, more advantage to the batter. And it's not something that I think is needed at this point. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, one, if they even pull it off, you know, if if the league even decides to go with it, um, because there is definitely resistance to it. And two, if they do, what not only what will the consequences be that we're discussing, but there's always unintended consequences to something like this. Yeah. So what are we not talking about about that's going to happen? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, We'll see if it goes through. If it does, I'm going to be real intrigued to uh, try and watch some of those games because it's, it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to make things quite a bit different. All right. So I got one more quick story here uh, before we get on to wax packs heroes. I want to talk about walk up music. So this is something that is just, it, it's, you, you don't even think about it anymore, except for the fact that you like to hear kind of, hey, what is, what does what everybody use as their walk-up music? It's just kind of a standard thing. It's like high school games now. Everybody's got their own walk-up music. It's, it's mm-hmm. just become a thing. Well, what if I told you that they were doing walk-up music all the way back in 1903? Well, okay, how did they pull that off? <laughs> So it's not exactly what you would think of as walk-up music today. Uh, It started in Boston with a group of Red Sox fans that called themselves the Royal Rooters from Boston. And they would go to every home game, and they would even travel to some away games. And this this sounds very familiar, being a season ticket holder here in Oakland. They would have drums that they would take with them, and they would bang on these drums. And while they were banging on these drums, they would sing popular songs along with them for each player. So in particular, they would sing a song called Tessie. Uh, This song was originally from a 1902 Broadway musical called The Silver Slipper, which not to be confused with No No Nanette, which is that Broadway uh, musical that uh, Babe Ruth was sold to the Yankees to help finance. But that that was 17 years later. Yes. Uh, so most listeners might be familiar with the 2004 version of this song because it was covered and kind of rewritten by the Dropkick Murphys. Tessie is the royal rooters rally cry. Tessie is the tune they always sung. Tessie. And it was recorded during that uh, curse-busting season of 2004 where the Red Sox finally won a World Series. Yes. Uh, this song was sung at nauseum by the Rooters back in the early 1900s. Uh, in 1903, they, they played the Pittsburgh Pirates in the World Series, and the Pirates expressed their distaste for the Rooters and their seemingly endless versions of Tessie. The Dropkick Murphys version is actually, I really like it. I, I, I like the Dropkick Murphys in the first place. but I love the Murphys, man. You gotta love the Murphys. Uh, Shipping Off to Boston is a fantastic Absolute song. classic. So is so is their version of Nessie, and it's really pretty cool because they've rewritten it for the most part, and they give a nod to the Royal Rooters in it. The founder of the Royal Rooters was called Michael Nuffsed McCreevy. That's a I, that's an awesome nickname, Nuffsed. This the version uh, that the uh, that the Murphys 
released and became popular. There's a whole verse about uh, Nuff said McGreevy in it. also continues to expand as Red Sox fans continually add new stanzas specifically taunting Yankee fans and players. <laughs> so they're always adding new versions of you know, new verses onto this song about the Yankees. Uh, it's been used as walk-up music for several Red Sox players. There are even versions out there that Red Sox players actually recorded themselves. And uh, it is still played in Fenway Park today after Red Sox victories, along with Dirty Water, which I am not a fan of the song Dirty Water. So <laughs> I'm not a fan of Dirty Water in any capacity. That was just uh, there's actually a, I'll, I'll throw in the in the show notes a link to an MLB.com article about the complete history of the walk up song. But I thought that was really cool that it was all the way back in 1903. They were doing something akin to what we think of today as walk-up music. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's that's actually very interesting. You can only right. hear about that stuff on here, folks. Well, as long, as far as we know. I don't it's, know. Yeah, as far as you... As, no, I guarantee Joe it. Rogan might have covered that <laughs> two years ago. I don't know. Yeah, in, in his baseball <laughs> history podcast. That's right. Yeah, he does a lot of that. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, jump into our final segment, the ever-popular Wax Packs Heroes. This is where we've uh, got some uh, unopened baseball cards from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Each of us will open one pack, and I have in my hands a Beckett baseball card monthly from May 1992. We go with the uh, lowest price uh, listed in the uh, Becketts. Commons are worth nothing, but it's a good chance for us to open up uh, some old baseball cards and reminisce about some of the players that we pull. So, Mark, today I have got a 1991 score and a 1990 score pack. We're working Mm. our way through all our score packs because we couldn't open them for a while because the new Beckett's does not list them. So uh, I've got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which hand would you like to uh, pull from today? Let's go. Let's go with the right hand. All right. So you're going to get the 1990 version. All right. So Mark, you are uh, rocking the 1990 version of Score Commons. If we were counting them uh, back in 1992, we're still only worth one cent for this uh, for this uh, particular year. Uh, we're going to start off with a Yankee because that's the way you like to roll. Oh yes, big Yankees <laughs> uh, guy. Alvaro Espinosa, shortstop. Ah, I remember. I remember uh, Alvaro Espinosa. Uh, I actually had um, a run-in, not not a negative run-in, but I actually bumped into him once after a game, and he was super cool. And he was like, "Oh, sorry about that, man." Huh? You know, and he had a little bit of an accent, but uh, but uh, I, that's the best impersonation I could pull up. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, he was a cool guy. He was a nice enough guy, and he was super polite. Uh, I remember uh, he was not a bad player either. Yeah, I did not know. He came up with the Twins, apparently. Played his first two years in Minnesota. And then, uh, I've got to assume, was traded to the Yankees. Nickname Espy. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to assume that he's a a common, though. Yeah. I'm never going to. I guess I should never assume, but yes, he is. 
next, here we go. Alan Trammell, shortstop oh. for the Detroit Tigers. Gotta love Alan Trammell and and his his uh, partner up the middle there, Lou Whitaker. Just forever with this awesome double play combination. They hit a lot of home runs. They had a lot of offense together. That that, that just is is a Trammell and Whitaker were both really fun to watch. And everybody's still hoping that Lou Whitaker somehow gets into the Hall of Fame at some point. That's uh, so Alan Trammell, he is number nine in the set. And if you remember, score, the if you've got a low number like that, they think you're pretty important. So I'm going to assume that you're going to score here. Alan Trammell was worth two cents. Oh, good. Double. Yes. <laughs> uh, next, we've got another shortstop that I'm uh, very familiar with, Red Sox, Jody Reed. Yes, one of the uh, I remember Jody Reed. Not too many Jodies that have played uh, professional baseball. Uh, Jody Davis is the only other one I can, yes. can think of off the top of my head. Catcher for the Cubs. There you go. I remember that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jody Reed, I remember, has this great stash going on. He had a good Magnum PI like mustache. Mm. Was it Edgar like? Um, yeah, because Edgar's would could pretty much be Tom Selleck esque. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Jody Reed is a common, even though he is number 11. I remember Jody Reed ended up in the Padres uh, for a couple of years, too. Yeah, that's right. Oh, speaking of, uh, next card, Edgar Martinez, third hey. baseman for the uh, for the Seattle Mariners. Hey, right on, Ed. Hall of Famer as of this year. Yeah, so Edgar was worth only two cents, and he was trending downward. Somebody, he pissed somebody off. Oh, no, maybe, look at that, maybe you've, you've pulled two Hall of Famers in your first four. Uh, How about that? That's pretty good. Uh, here's somebody, I think we mentioned him a little while ago, third baseman for the Texas Rangers, Steve Bouchel. Ah, Steve Bouchel, sure. And I, I think we mentioned him because uh, he was managing, well, we mentioned him in the coaches uh, show because he's coaching for somebody. I think it's, That's right. I think it's the Rangers. But I remember he uh, was managing their AAA club in Nashville several years ago. And now Nashville was Oakland, and now they're, again, the Rangers AAA farm club. But Steve Buschel is a common. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, next, we've got pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles, Bob Malacky, right-hander. Bob Malacky. Okay. Bob Malacky threw the shortest game I have ever worked in my life. One hour and 40 minutes. You love the, your game today was pretty quick too, but not even close to 140. Yeah. It was a, it was a day game. It was later in the season. It was, this is in AAA. And uh, just, he was just absolutely dealing. It was a one to nothing game. He gave up one hit and we were out of there and I had a whole afternoon to myself. <laughs> And you saw a one-hitter. I did. It was great. All right. Next card. Here we go. Number one uh, first-round draft pick card for the Dodgers. This guy actually had a pretty good career. Tom Goodwin. Oh, sure. Tom Goodwin. um, Was he he kind of a utility guy or was he just an outfielder? He was an outfielder. I think he probably played everywhere in the outfield. But, yeah, he was – I I don't remember him in the infield, but – not a bad uh, hitter. Had definitely had some speed. Yeah, had some speed, and uh, sure. he is uh, worth, he's worth ten cents for you. What? They still thought he is very highly of him. Hey, score! <laughs> That's, That's what we're pulling. That's... Uh, here we go. Uh, Roger McDowell, the second spitter. 
<laughs> that's, that's Roger McDowell. Oh man, do I have a Roger McDowell story? I don't know if I want to tell it, but uh, go for it, man. <laughs> I love these stories. Well, a friend of mine uh, played with Roger, I believe, at Bowling Green University, and uh, my friend was a freshman, and he was playing poker. And Roger McDowell, of course, the big goof off, the the funny guy. Yeah, my my buddy had left the table. And he came back, and everybody was laughing. And he said, why is everybody laughing? And they said, well, Roger just took a drink out of the spit can. These guys are all chewing and they're all spitting in this can. And uh, my, my buddy was like, yeah, right, whatever. You guys are trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And, and McDowell swore up and down. He did. He took a sip. And finally, he said, you know what? Fine. And he grabs the spit can and I kid you not, chugs down the spit out of this thing and, and just absolutely makes everyone ill. You know, and my buddy said, like, he'll never forget it. It made him absolutely sick just to see it happen. But, I mean, what a legendary thing to do. I mean, if you're going to go all out, you might as well just say, I'm going to chug the whole thing. Remember at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about how many baseball players are dumb? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Roger McDowell chugging the can of spit. Mm. Yeah, I just, I for some reason, I just saw a clip on YouTube of Roger McDowell immediately after he was traded from the Mets to the Phillies, and uh, he walked, he was playing the Mets, and he walked somebody, and they went down to first, and they started jawing at each other, and then the bench is emptied. So, <laughs> apparently not a popular player. Uh, all right, moving on, we've got DH for the Orioles, Larry Sheets. Larry, he's dancing in the sheets. Yeah, he's got a nice stash going, too, right there. That is going to be a common. Uh, next, we've got another Orioles. You got a, another Oriole with another mustache. Uh, relief pitcher Kevin Hickey. You remember the name? Couldn't tell you a whole lot about him. I do like the all stash team idea, though. <laughs> yeah, I remember Kevin Hickey, but yeah, I just as a nondescript reliever. Uh, next, we go to a pitcher for the Dodgers. This guy was around forever, Mike Morgan. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Morgan, um, he had a pretty long career, didn't he? Yeah, he, he was one of those guys that played for everybody. I know he was a righty, and I, real quick, I just saw something real quick that says he played for 12 different teams in 25 years. 25 oh, years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird if you're not a lefty, but good for him. Yeah, well, you know what? That's uh, that's success for you right there if you got to play that long. You must have been doing something right. Yeah. So, okay, next we've got outfielder for the Reds, Ken Griffey Sr. Nice. Very nice. Ken Griffey, uh, yeah, nice guy. I, I had the uh, opportunity to hang out with him a little bit too. and He was super cool. Real down to earth. And an awesome ball player. He had, I think he had a kid that played ball too. I just don't remember a whole lot about it. Mm, don't know. Mm. Don't know. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. We'll get yeah. back to you next week on that one. Uh, next, we've got catcher for the uh, Blue Jays. Uh, somebody that Ricky Henderson frustrated for many years. Ernie Witt. Ernie Witt. Got a catcher for the Blue Jays forever. Yeah, he was. He always looked like he was an old man too. Like before he was an old man, he he always looked like he was an old man there behind the plate. All right, here you go. Here's your third Hall of Famer from this pack. Second baseman. Uh, Actually, ooh, this might be an error card. Um, This is a 1989 highlights card. It says, 
Chicago Cubs, Ryan Sandberg, third base. Third base? Yeah, that's not accurate. No. Of course, Rhino being one of the great second basemen of all time. All right. This is an error card. This is exciting. This is our very first error card on Wax Facts Heroes. The, oh my God. The corrected version is worth five cents. The error card is worth five dollars. Yes, yes, big score on score. Wow! Unless we pull one of those where I pull the same card like we did that one time. <laughs> wow! The mint version, it's ten dollars. No so kidding. you have. I, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to look that up in the newest, you know, version and just see if that's still worth anything. But there is, there is our best card yet. The Ryan Sandberg third base error card. Uh, next infielder for the Cardinals, Tom Jones. I know his music, not familiar so much with the player. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, this is Tim Jones. Oh, very <laughs> <It's>, different. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Now we, uh, uh, well, this is a rookie card. Um, hopefully, uh, I, I we had this conversation earlier about uh people's personalities whether you would root for them or not kurt schilling rookie card uh, kurt schilling yes uh that's his rookie card no kidding this is so let's see what this one's worth <laughs> this one in 1992 was worth exactly one cent <laughs> well i mean i guess he hadn't really done anything at that point he didn't appear yet. to be that uh that highly rated but there is a there is a rookie card so i'm going to add up your scores here pretty easy to do five dollars and 14 cents which i think is a new high that's for gonna one be tough to beat jeff that yeah. is gonna be really tough all right so uh this is gonna be a tough one to beat that's a that's a good score i am gonna yeah. open up my pack of 1991 score and uh, immediately right off the bat uh, somebody that had a birthday last week somebody that we have talked about several times he has some great nicknames uh hackman uh, oh, yeah. Penitentiary face and Correctional Institute face, Mr. Jeffrey Leonard. And don't call me Jeff. No, and this is with the Mariners. It's a good-looking card because he's wearing that Mariners jersey that I really love, with the oh, S yeah. on the hat and the helmet. And Does he Mariners. have the flap down? Uh, no, because he's swinging. Okay. So uh, he has not had the chance to run around with the flap down yet, but that is a common, unfortunately. Uh, next, we go to the Athletics, a relief pitcher. I remember this guy uh, very well. Didn't wasn't great, but just an average reliever. Todd Burns. You might Whoa. you might be familiar with Todd. Todd Burns, Burns uh, one of my best friends in all of baseball. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Todd. Todd is the guy that uh, he said, "Hey, let's go out to lunch. Do you mind if I bring my friend along?" And I said, "Not a problem." And he brought along Terry Steinbach. You could not ask for, well, you could, but it would be hard to get a better lunch than eating with Terry Steinbach. <laughs> tell, dude, tell me about it. It was awesome. He he has all kinds of great stories, and, and it was really fun. Burnsy uh, pitched in Tacoma. I got to know him really well. Good guy, and, you know, he had a pretty darn good career as a as a right-handed reliever. Yeah, Todd Burns. Huh? Did he leave you a TV, though? No, he's no Jose Rijo. <laughs> All right, my next card is a pitcher, a relief pitcher for the Astros. This guy was around for quite a while, Danny Darwin. Oh, Danny Darwin had some huge years for the Astros. And, and might I mention that uh, Jeffrey Leonard, 
uh, Todd Burns and Danny Darwin all rocking the mustache as well. Yeah, it was it was popular in baseball at the time, apparently. Yeah, but apparently. She, Danny Darwin, I remember, um, I remember him having like a couple of seasons where he was just outstanding. Uh, here I'm looking at real quick. He had uh, 15 wins and 93 for Boston. And here's the one I remember, 1990 for the Astros. He was 11 and four with an ERA of 2.21, leading the league. Jeez. Yeah, he was solid, and he pitched forever. 21 yeah, well, years. He, he debuted in '78 with the Rangers. Wow. 21 years in baseball. Yeah, Danny Darwin, good pitcher, great arm. Uh, worth nothing. Uh, just remember last, last week I almost got shut out. It was down to the last card before I pulled anything of value. Uh, I don't think this one is going to be, but I'm very familiar with this gentleman, right fielder for the Cardinals, Milt Thompson. Oh yeah. This being Milt. Milt is, uh, yeah, that's a common. He, uh, he went on to coach for quite a while. Yeah. Um, all right. Now I've got two cards here, special cards in a row. They are uh, the pitcher. They're both pitchers, and they are enti- they're titled K-Man. Mm. And they both got, like, this spacey graphic behind them. The first one is David Cohn with the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. That one is worth nothing. Nice. <laughs> the second one is Mark Langston. And now, Mark Langston, is he the, uh, is he the broadcaster for the Angels? He is, yes. Yeah, I believe he just had... They didn't call it a heart attack, but it was uh, he had a heart problem uh, in Houston last week. And uh, fortunately, there were some first responders that just happened to be around where he was and uh, gave him aid and they got him to the hospital in time. He might very well still be in Houston right now, but uh, hopefully he hopefully he can uh, recover because uh, that's that was unfortunate. That's scary. He's, he's not a he's a young man still. You know, he's he's, uh, and I love it because every time I see him, all you you see is the surfer, dude. The hair and the teeth. That's right. He is a Southern California boy. That's right. Uh, Next. uh, By the way, that was uh, considered a common. Uh, Speaking of common, John Moses, outfielder for the Twins. Very common. I don't even remember John Moses. John Moses. yeah, he played a little while with the. I remember him with the Twins. Uh, he's kind of like a came up with the Mariners. Type. Yeah, he was kind of like a fourth outfielder type. And, you know. Guess what he's got on his upper lip? I'm gonna guess um, salad tongs. Very close. He has got a caterpillar right there. Oh, a mustache. Okay, that was my second guess. Now this is a very cool picture. Uh, my next one, outfielder for the Expos, Otis Nixon. Um, so minus the cocaine addiction, <laughs> Otis Nixon uh, was obviously a lead, well, not obviously, but he was a leadoff batter, super quick guy. Uh, I remember he had great seasons for the Expos and the, the Braves as well. But this picture is just awesome. He has just, it looks like, um, slid into second base. And he's just starting to pop up. He apparently went in head first, and there's just dirt all around him. So he kind of looks like he's rising out of out of smoke or steam. Nice. Um, I'm trying to figure out where this is because I can see a little bit of AstroTurf, but it's nice and bright. So it leads me to believe it wasn't St. Louis and it wasn't Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but it's outdoors. So I'm trying to determine 
where this would have been taken. This this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. Yes, I, I know. Sometimes you call me. <laughs> Who else had AstroTurf outside in the 90s in the National League? Because there was no interleague play at this point. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, possibly. But that was kind of... I mean, this is like really bright and new AstroTurf. And those places yeah. always just had... Maybe it was just seeing it on TV. It was always kind of dull. Yeah. Um, my only other guess is, is this might be a preseason game in Toronto. Sure. Um, but that's a good-looking card, but I'm going to guess it's a common regardless. Yep. Still getting shut out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to know this guy, but I'm sure he's going to keep me shut out. Outfielder for the Mariners, Henry Cotto. Oh, yeah. Henry Avocado. Oh, yes, nice. Absolutely. I remember he was on the Yankees when Ricky was in New York. Yep, that was common. Uh, here is a, oh, by the way, Henry Cotto, uh, also rocking a mustache. Um, Otis Nixon, I believe, he always had one. It was just kind of a thin kind of kind of thing, but yeah. Uh, this next guy, uh, also rocking facial hair, but not just a mustache. Pete Incaviglia, as uh, Harry Carey would call him. Pete Incavilia, yeah, it, another. That's a guy who went straight from college to the big Correct. leagues. Correct. No, no minor leagues before he hit the big leagues. Right. And dude was a uh, Paul Bunyan esque type yeah. character. A a he was kind of a two true outcome uh, guy. It was either a home run or a strikeout. There were no 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 walks as far as I can remember. The man had some power. Yeah. Uh, but that is worth uh, zero. So again, just for the record here, we are about three quarters of the way through my pack and I have yet to score, let alone get a $5 card. Uh, <laughs> next, uh, we spoke of entrance music before. Last time I was in Seattle, I remember you and I specifically spoke about this gentleman's walk-up music. It was Barracuda by heart. Yes. Uh, this Gentleman also had a uh, bar across the street from the Kingdome that at one point was selling uh, pitchers for his current batting average, so it was a real steal. Mr. Dave Valley. Dave Valley still uh, still does some uh, color commentary for the Mariners. And, you know, I, I've run into him in the hallways, and a uh, very nice guy. Nicest guy <laughs> I ever, really absolutely. I like Dave Valley. Dave, Dave Valley and, and Buner. Yeah, but I Bone is the nicest guy. He seeks out people just to talk to. They're both really cool guys. I agree. Um, again, worth nothing. Uh, Mike Devereaux, I believe we had him in a pack a little while ago. Outfielder for the uh, uh, Orioles. I remember him as a Dodger. Yeah, I he he finished up with the Dodger or no no no. You're, I think he came you're, up with them. Yeah. He came up with the Dodgers and then went to the Orioles. I'm not sure who he finished up with, but you are correct. Again, not worth anything. Uh, next, we've got a. This guy is not in the Hall of Fame, but he was recently inducted into the Hall of Game at the Negro League uh, Museum in Kansas City. And I loved this guy, except for 1990 in the World Series. Eric Davis. Oh, Eric the Red. Absolute guy. What a what a ball player he was. He will actually finally get me on the board with three cents. But, dude, I mean, this guy was a five-tool player. He did everything, and he did it all well. But just too many injuries. Yeah, and he had a couple of streaks uh, where he just was, you couldn't get him out. 
He was he was essentially a Mike Trout like guy. He had power. He really was good yeah. defense. Uh, he had speed. I mean, he just did everything. Yeah, he was something else. Uh, next, oh, by the way, Eric Davis is actually not sporting a, a mustache, but Mike Devereaux was, of course. And Dave Dave Valley was not. I don't think Dave Valley can grow facial hair. Oh, ask. Uh, <laughs> next, we've got a relief pitcher for the Royals, Jeff Montgomery. He is clean shaven. Uh, remember, he was around for quite a while. Yep. Um, he is a common. Uh, I, I think this is the third week in a row that I have drawn uh, the hit dog. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> Center fielder for the Chicago White Sox, Mr. Lance Johnson. <laughs> I think you've had the hit dog because I, I remember it being brought up, the nickname. Yeah. And it's I'm letting you pick which pack, so you yeah. are specifically picking the pack without Lance Johnson in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then finally, wrapping up, this is uh, this is not going to get me anything either. Wrapping it up, left fielder for the Minnesota Twins, the Golden Locks, the Golden Mustachioed Dan Gladden. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. So that's a common Dan Gladden. I remember uh, played. Mainly for the Twins. He also, I think he finished up with the Giants. I think he even did some broadcasting for the Giants uh, for a while. But he was on those, uh, he was on the 88 World Series team. And the, uh, what was it, the 91 was the next year that the Twins won it? I believe was that it was the, 91, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, damn glad. So I finished with, this is very easy to calculate, three cents. <laughs> you you beat me by $5.11. But, uh, so in this... the grand scheme of things, it was a blowout. All right, so let's. Uh, you have come away with yet another victory. You are, you're on a, hot, a bit of a hot streak here. You have now taken a six to four lead over wow. myself. So well, you know what they say: unlucky in love. <laughs> <laughs> you're married. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> All right, I will not report that, and we know. Uh, your wife, uh, just like mine, does not listen to this podcast, so right. no concerns. Uh, that'll do it for Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, thank you again, Mark, for kicking my butt to and fro on that. That was great. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the pack next week. How about okay. that? I think see if that's I, can, I think that's fair. See if I can avoid Lance Johnson. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody listening, uh, we would really appreciate it if you've got the chance wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please, uh, it helps us out if you rate and review us. Uh, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, hopefully we'll be able to be a little bit more active this week. This last week and a half or so has been really busy work-wise. Yeah. So we haven't been as active on Instagram or Twitter, but you can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both of those platforms. And uh, we'll post some things from the show as well as just some stuff that we see throughout the week that we find entertaining. Uh, so, Mark, we have finished up another show, show number 35. Uh, what do you say we make it an even 36 next week? Can you do that? You know, I think we've been so consistent. Uh, maybe it's time to take a week off. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we'll be back next week. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, hopefully you, the listener, will join us as well. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. This has been a- another episode of Two Strike Notes. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.